Is there a name for the day before Thanksgiving? How about Feast's Eve? Blackout Wednesday? What about Drinksgiving? Food prepagetin? What about I hope I didn't forget anything at the store because I'm not going back day? In any case, even though it is a holiday week, there's still time for Charlottesville community engagement, and it's November 24th, 2021. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, a jury has found that the organizers of the Unite the Right rally are guilty of a civil conspiracy and awarded damages, but did not reach a verdict on other claims. Governor Northam and the Virginia Service Commission honors two area churches for their COVID testing work since the pandemic began. Former city manager Dr. Teron Richardson is suing the city, and Albemarle County will revisit its 21-year-old policy on cell tower placement. But before we get to any of that and more, how about a Patreon-fueled shout-out? The Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign is an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, public spaces, and gardens in the Northern Piedmont. Thanksgiving is a time to look forward, and this is a good time to talk with friends and family about planning for planting in the spring. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them that Lonnie Murray sent you. After a month-long trial, a jury has awarded more than $25 million in damages to the plaintiffs of a civil lawsuit against organizers and participants of the Unite the Right rally in August of 2017. The jury in Signs v. Kessler held that plaintiffs proved their civil conspiracy case under Virginia law, as well as their claim that the defendants engaged in racial, religious, or ethnic harassment. Under the conspiracy count, 12 defendants must pay $500,000 each in damages, and five organizations must pay a million each. On the harassment count, five individuals must pay $250,000 each to two plaintiffs and $250,000 in compensatory damages. However, the jury did not reach a verdict on a count claiming that the defendants engaged in a conspiracy to commit racially motivated violence in violation of federal code. They also deadlocked on a second count on the defendant's failure to prevent the conspiracy. The jury also found that James F. Fields owes damages for an assault and battery claim to specific victims of his deliberate attempt to drive into a crowd of people on 4th Street Southeast on August 12, 2017, as well as another count for intentional infliction of emotional distress. Fields is currently serving time for a criminal conviction on those charges. You can read the full verdict on Court Listener. Another former Charlottesville official is seeking legal action against the city of Charlottesville. The Daily Progress reports that Dr. Teron Richardson has filed a federal lawsuit against city council and four individuals for entering into an agreement that prevented his ability to publicly critique the city after he left his position as city manager in September of 2020. Here's a section from the Nature of the Case section of the suit. 
The First Amendment expressly forbids government bodies, including city councils, from engaging in viewpoint discrimination and retaliating against people based on the content of their speech. Richardson wants a jury trial. The civil rights suit seeks damages as well as a declaration that a non-disparagement clause in his severance agreement is not enforceable. The suit also individually names city councilors Heather Hill and Nakia Walker, as well as city attorney Lisa Robertson and former interim city manager and former city attorney John Blair. The suit revisits Richardson's tenure as city manager, including his enactment of a policy to regulate use of city-issued credit cards, and claims some councillors sought to usurp his authority. Here's another section from the suit. Because of ridiculous demands and the ongoing chicanery and obstructionism from Walker and Hill that would eventually prevent him from adequately performing his job, Dr. Richardson was constructively terminated. The narrative claims that counselors did not hold up their end of the severance agreement and disparaged him in social media posts and one interview that was later removed from a local media outlet. This past January, Dr. Richardson asked to publish an op-ed in the Daily Progress on race relations in Charlottesville, but Lisa Robertson said the city would keep open the option of suing to compel Richardson to return the severance payment of $205,000. In all, the suit has four counts, including violation of the First Amendment and breach of contract. Richardson is represented by the Haley Law Firm of Greenville, South Carolina, Keith B. French Law of Pearland, Texas, and Brand Law of Dallas. Earlier this month, former police chief Rochelle Brackney announced she was filing a wrongful termination claim with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. That's the first step toward a potential lawsuit. After Richardson left in September of 2020, council appointed John Blair to serve as interim city manager before naming Chip Boyles to the position this past January. Boyles resigned in October, six weeks after firing Brackney. Mark Woolley will become the next interim city manager on December 1st. The agency that owns and operates public housing in Richmond has been awarded a planning grant for the revitalization of a property in historic Jackson Ward. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development awarded $450,000 to the Richmond Redevelopment and Housing Authority for revitalization of Gilpin Court as part of HUD's Choice Neighborhoods Initiative. Here's a description from the HUD press release. Known as the Harlem of the South, the neighborhood's once vibrant Main Street was filled with thriving theaters, stores, and medical practices. The historical heart of the neighborhood was all but destroyed by its bifurcation for the construction of Interstate 95 and 64. The intent of the Choice Neighborhoods Initiative is for the process to be led by residents, a process that is already underway at the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. The CRHA had applied for a Choice Planning Grant in 2010, but was not selected. The agency has not applied since. The government of Albemarle County is in transition, with many longtime staffers having already retired or about to do so. One of them is Lori Allshouse, who served for many years leading up the county's budget preparation each year. Nelsie Birch joined Albemarle's executive leadership in the summer of 2020 as chief financial officer and had this to say about Allshouse at the Board of Supervisors meeting on November 17, 2020. She's been a face of all things budget, all things capital projects, capital planning, five-year financial planning, 
financial policies. Birch thanked All's House for preparing her and the rest of the staff for all of the various budget challenges that have come before the county in the past two years. All's House has worked for the county since 2000. Her last job title was Assistant Chief Financial Officer for Policy and Partnerships in the Finance and Budget Department. Her last presentation dealt with cost allocations for partner organizations in the next fiscal year. You're reading Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time now for another subscriber-supported public service announcement. Since the pandemic began, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society has been offering virtual presentations on all manner of topics. This Sunday at 4 p.m., they'll present an important topic to the Association for the Study of African American Life and History and the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society. The ACHS is working on a race and sports project to tell the story of the desegregation of Central Virginia Public High School athletics. Dr. Shelley Murphy and other participants will update those Richmond groups on local efforts to collect stories from those who lived through the transition away from segregated schools when institutions such as Jackson Burley High School and the Christiansburg Institute were closed. This is part of the Sunday sit-in series put on by those Richmond groups. You can register online for the event, which begins at 4 p.m. this Sunday. Couple more short stories before a slightly longer one today. An associate dean at the University of Virginia's School of Architecture is moving on to take a position at Georgia Tech. Ellen Bassett will become the chair of the College of Design at the Atlanta-based university. Bassett is currently the associate dean for research at the School of Architecture. She has also served as the chair of the Department of Urban and Environmental Planning and the director of the School of Architecture's Real Estate Design and Development Certificate Program. Two Charlottesville area churches are among the recipients of Governor Ralph Northam's Volunteerism and Community Service Awards for 2021. Mount Zion First African Baptist Church and the Church of the Incarnation have been honored as outstanding faith-based organizations for their work to offer free COVID-19 testing in their respective neighborhoods. Here's a section from the press release. Located within highly populated neighborhoods, the majority of those tested have been members of the community's most vulnerable populations who otherwise would be unable to receive free, consistent, and timely testing. Mount Zion First African Baptist Church is located in the city's Ridge Street neighborhood, and the Church of Incarnation is located off of Hillsdale Drive in Albemarle County. Albemarle County will review the rules by which cell towers are regulated. A previous Board of Supervisors adopted a policy in December 2000, which, among other things, requires tall towers to be as invisible to the eye as possible. Several supervisors since then have asked for the policy to be revisited to increase the availability of voice and data service throughout the county. The board has authorized $100,000 for a study, and development process manager Bill Fritz checked in with elected officials on November 17th. Staff wants to ensure that we put out an RFP that meets the board's expectations for the scope of work to be done in the review of these regulations. The policy has never been revisited and changes in the regulations have been largely limited to keep up with changing federal and state regulations, court decisions, and changes in technology. 
Fritz said the consultant would be charged with taking potential changes through a community engagement process, eventually resulting in a public hearing before the Board of Supervisors. Changes might include elimination of some permits having to go before the board for approval. Could include revisions to the ordinance to eliminate the need for special exceptions that have been routinely approved. It could include uh, allowance of facilities at greater height or lesser design standards in areas of poor coverage. These are just some ideas. Supervisor Diantha McKeel has been asking for the policy to be revisited for many years. She suggested going right to making changes in the county code. The policy is, the policy is so old that, to be honest with you, I would just start over again with an ordinance. And let's get to the meat of it. Let's not worry about this old, outdated policy. McKeel said the new policy, or ordinance, needs to put more emphasis on what she said were the positive benefits of more cell towers, including public safety. Supervisor Ann Malik said there are other ways to provide more voice and data service that would not require a wholesale change to the policy. This is, again, taking the mantra of the salespeople that this is a way to achieve broadband, and the county has made a dedicated investment and will continue to make a dedicated investment that broadband is delivered through fiber. Supervisor Donna Price said the county should explore any methods to expand data service. We need to update our policy and acknowledge the changes in technology as well as the needs, not just buyers, but the absolute needs for connectivity through all different mechanisms that are available. Thank you. The request for proposals has not yet been released on the county's website. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for the day before Thanksgiving. Whatever you decide to call it. Maybe it's nothing. Thanks to Becky Calvert and Jenny Moore for their assistance in coming up with names for whatever this day is called. And I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I will be back uh, possibly on Friday, possibly on Saturday. I just don't know yet. With another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, there still is so much to get through from November, and I really am hoping to do that over the next couple of days. Thank you very much again for all of your support. It, this is the one before Thanksgiving, so without making another pitch, let me just say I am so grateful for the over 300 people who are contributing to this program, going out every, not every day, but as often as I can. I am grateful to be able to produce this work and to continue to grow the audience each time I produce this show. There are some things coming up. Uh, I'm hoping to do one big wrap-up of the comprehensive plan discussion in Charlottesville. That's actually what I'm probably going to work on next because that is overdue. There is so much going on, as you can see, in each and every installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm so grateful that people are providing me with the support that I need to keep going, uh, covering this to try to make sense of all of these very confusing things, which really aren't that confusing once you sit down and see how it all puts together. Thanks again for listening. Uh, whatever you decide to do for the next couple of days, I do understand that it is a holiday. Some of us don't really have the best time at holidays. Uh, regardless, I wish you peace, and I hope that you uh, and whoever you are around will stay safe. Thanks for listening.